they never broke out in that same way. But they've had the career and the longevity that so many of these other bands have maybe saw a glimmer of super popularity didn't have or don't have. Welcome to Long Live the Music, a podcast from It's All Dead, made by music fans for music fans. I'm Kyle Hawk. All right, welcome to Long Live the Music. Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. As always, I'm your host, Kyle Hawk. I uh, run a little website called itsalldead.com. And, you know, when we relaunched the podcast um, a little while back earlier this year, I I told you I was going to get committed. We're going to be putting out the show regularly. And we've done it. I have... Uh, I've been keeping my word. I, I just need a little bit of accountability, I guess, to kind of force me to get back in the groove. But it is it is happening. We are here. Uh, we're having a great time. And one of the things when we kind of switched up the pot a little bit that um, all of us at It's All Dead agreed that we wanted to keep was the podcasts we do where we just dive deep on a band and rank their discography. Not only have they always been fun for us, but they seem to be some of our most popular episodes. We know that um, you all love them just from the feedback we've gotten. So that, you know, we're going to keep doing that. And the the one that I'm doing today is one that I've really wanted to do um, since, I don't know, we started this whole thing, but there's never, I've never really had the right guest for it or um, kind of in, was in a place where I felt like I could, I could do it right. But I have the right guest uh, today. It is Jason Tate. Um, you may know him from a website called Chorus FM or previously AbsolutePunk.net. Uh, he joined us on the podcast actually a few years ago, um, and he is back today. So gracious to join us and talk about a band that I know is one of his favorites, MXPX. Jason, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Happy to be here. Yeah. And I know you uh, just celebrated five years at uh, Chorus FM, which is crazy. And one of the things that I, I think tipped me off that I was like, I want to reach out to him about this. So last year you were kind of like going back um, to the beginning of like the the AP years and and even the beginning of your music experience, which was, those were really cool to read through and and super nostalgic. But there was a, there were points where like MXPX is obviously kind of central to um, you coming into, you know, a love of music and wanting to start a website. And I feel like they're so attached to, to your history and that really came through in the stuff that you're writing. Um, but yeah, what, what is it, what was it like to go through all that and kind of reflect back on, on everything? I mean, that must've been kind of a cathartic project, I would imagine. Yeah. I think like when I, you know, walked away from absolute punk and started chorus, there were memories associated with that website that I was ready to just like put behind me. Right. Like that was the whole reason mm-hmm. for a fresh start is that it was very chaotic, very hectic, very stressful. And I felt uh, not happy to be what I was doing, like to be honest. Like it was not an enjoyable last few years with that website. And so when I walked away, it was more of a just like I just needed to like not think about this at all. And then last year when I started writing those things, it was more coming to a piece and a place in my life where I was like, you know what? Like that was a big part of my life. Let me look back on it and try to put it in context. Try to put my musical journey in context with like what the music scene was doing at the same time. And that's why like I call in a lot of those pieces, like my, my nostalgia, because that was about like yeah. going back to my youth where I discovered the music and looking at it with kind of a bird's eye view and having a little bit more, you know, distance from the actual website, distance from what was going on during that time and being able to tackle it from a pure musical perspective, like just look at like the music that was coming out, what I was experiencing, what I was thinking, and mm-hmm. how I got from point A to point B. And obviously MXBX plays a massive role in all of that because the website started as a 
MXPX and Blink-182 fan page. Like, I would say those are the two bands, without a doubt, that uh, sparked my love of music, sparked my desire to dive into music and make it more than just something that I did passively, but actively yeah. get involved in. Yeah. Well, and it's really incredible to think that all these years later that like MXPX is still going. Like they, they had a, a really active year last year. And, and even it looks like this year will be too. It's it's kind of, um, it, if you if you went back, you might not expect that the band would still be chugging along the way that they are. And, and certainly there've been points where it felt like it could have ended. Um, but we're going to talk about all that of like how good it is that it didn't um, and how this mm-hmm. band is like still really fun uh, at least for me to, to have in my life. And, and I'm sure for you as well. And the, the actually the straw that broke the camel's back on me sending you the email was that uh, MXPX, the vinyl box set that came out. And my God, I went back and forth on it so much. Like for like a like weeks leading up to, I was talking about with my wife, I was like, God, I, I really want it. But I also don't want to spend $350 <laughs> on like yeah. to be able to listen to like three albums a lot and like the other seven, not at all. But, but you bought the box set. Has it, has it, have those shipped yet? Have you got they, they haven't shipped yet. I'm not sure when they come August or something. It was definitely okay. one of those things where it's like, it's going to be a while until they come. And I did the same thing. I went back and forth. And I remember sitting in, uh, in the living room talking to my wife about the exact same thing, having the same conversation about being like, it's going to be $350 for this box set. <laughs> that is crazy. And she was like, you know what? Like, You've never been disappointed when you spent money on something that you you really like and love. And she's like, you know, yeah. the band's meant a lot to you over the years. You're going to be happy once it comes. You're going to be annoyed when you spend the money. You're going to be happy once it comes. You're going to be happy to have it. It's going to be a thing that you're going to be excited about. You're like, just do it. The stimulus money was coming yeah. like, like right around the same time. And I was yep. like, okay. So like, that's what I used to like justify it to myself. It was like, well, I'm getting the stimulus money. Screw it. I'm going to, I'm going to use some of it uh, to give it to one of my favorite bands. And I do think yeah. that she's right about that. I think that like I... I've never like regretted spending money on music and something that I really love uh, mm-hmm. at the end of the day. And there, that can't be, it's not the same for some purchases, but that is definitely true when it comes to something like uh, vinyl. Yeah, I think it was the right call. I definitely like regretted it the second that they were sold out. Like I knew I, I, out, I, yeah. I'd made my decision and I stood firm on it, but I still looked at the page when it was up for sale and I was like, yeah, no, stick to your guns. And then it was gone. I was like, ah, I should have bought it. But and they see it up on eBay. It's already going for like eight or nine hundred bucks. I saw I like some people are already trying to sell it on eBay. It's like, geez. Yeah. Crazy. Good for the band though. I'm glad to see yeah. them raise a mint of money really fast. Well, to kind of start off the, uh, the conversation about the band here, um, obviously you've written about this talked about this extensively but just real quick give us your background of like this is how i discovered mxpx and this is how i knew they were going to be a band that um i was going to love yeah i mean it obviously blink 182 mxpx the two bands and i heard blink first and started getting into dude ranch and that was kind of that moment of i like this kind of music like this is what is this this is something new to me this is something i never heard before this is a sound that was fresh and unique and not like anything else that either my friends were listening to or I could hear anywhere. Um, so that was number one. And then right around roughly the exact same time, um, I'm okay, you're okay, it was played on the radio. And I heard it and I was like, is this Green Day? Like, what is this? Like, and that was the first time that I had heard of that band. And I was like, MXPX. I was like, this is pretty good. Like, where, where can I get this album? And next to Safeway, which is a grocery store here in Portland, there was a small Christian bookstore. And we used to walk in there every once in a while after my dad would get groceries. And we walked into the small Christian bookstore and I saw slowly going the way of the buffalo on the shelf. And I was like, 
I got to get this. And because it was a Christian bookstore, my parents were like, yeah, of course you get Christian music, <laughs> whatever. And so I didn't have to like fight for it, which ended. at the time, anything I wanted to listen to, I felt like I had to yeah, yeah. fight tooth and nail um, oh, to, get, wow. to get it to. I, mean, I didn't, totally didn't mean to do that. Anyway, um, so yeah, so picked up that album, went home, and immediately was just like, this is amazing. Like, this is going to be something that I'm going to like dive into and spend forever listening to. And at that time, you know, I owned what, four CDs maybe? Like, so it was just a CD that became a staple in my collection forever. And I immediately was like, I put all their albums that I could get. I think at that time, they had slowly going the way was the one they had just released. So it was like right around the release date. So they only had the back catalog. And I asked for all of those for Christmas and my birthday. I'm like, those are the gifts that I got yeah. for like the next Christmas and the next birthday. I got, you know, Coconacci, Teenage Politics, Life in General, and just playing them over and over and over again. And now just because that all of a sudden they had, I had more music from MXPX in my catalog and like my personal like music collection than any other band by far. <laughs> and yeah, so that yeah. was kind of, and that was just when it just, they were just an obsession. It was just like, I needed to listen to something that felt, uh, I don't know. It's like, that was why like I was drawn to that kind of music, that kind of like punk music feeling is there's like the teenage angst wrapped in these people are saying things that like I'm feeling, you know, like that becomes such a cliche, especially for like the youth. But that, that's how I felt. Like I felt like this is a band that's expressing my youthful angst and rebellious side through music and was just immediately drawn to it. Yeah, that's awesome. I, you know, I, I think, you know, when I first, when MXPX came onto my radar, so like throughout the late nineties, um, really hip hop, and rap was like my entire world. I mean, that, that was uh, the genre that like turned me into a music fan and kind of like sent me, I, I guess, on the, I don't know, just a, a personal path. Um, but as a, you know, the nineties wound down and the, and the two thousands started to come along is where I started to kind of investigate some tertiary genres and really, I mean, the, the entire thing, the entire path that kind of led me tumbling down the pop punk and, and scene, uh, rabbit hole was somebody who I knew that was kind of into this kind of music, having me listen to the ever passing moment, which was the album mm -hmm. of theirs that was out at the time. And just me being immediately struck of like, okay, this, there's something here. And mm -hmm. I, I was thinking about this because, and I'm sure it's like this for you too. Like you run a music website and it's, it's been so long since I've like discovered a band that I didn't know about and they've got like all this music already out to discover, mm -hmm. or even if that did happen, like I wouldn't have time, but like back then, like MXPX had like four or five, six other albums out. If you count the live albums and let it happen mm -hmm. and everything like, and I had nothing but time on my hands to just, like, <laughs> dive head first into MXPX. Like I remember spending an entire summer just listening mm -hmm. like to all of their albums. And it was like such a cool experience to be like, not only did I find this band I like, but they've got like a lot of music out. Um, exactly. And it was such a, such a really cool thing. But that was like, that opened the door for me um, into everything. I Somebody, uh, when I was in college, a friend of mine gave me um, Yellow Cards Ocean Avenue as a Christmas present. And they were like, hey, this they sound like MXPX. You're going to like this. So like, <laughs> that was like the everything that, around that sphere, I can tie back to like MXPX kind of becoming that first band um, for me that kind of took me into the uh, more, more guitar-driven rock punk what do you think it was about Everpassing Moment that when you heard it, it sparked an interest in you? You know, like some, some music that you can listen to and you go, this is good, but it's just not for me yeah. or it's not the thing that's going to grab me. What was it about that album that like 
perked your interest in a, yeah, this is exactly a band I want to dive into. There was something about how easy it went down. I just remember that album flows so effortlessly and every song is like, like the longest song is probably like two and a half minutes, you know? Yeah. Um, it just, it's just bang, bang, bang. And, and there was no, there was nothing within the context of it that felt like, okay, I've got to get through this. So that was one mm-hmm. thing. And two, I just kind of like you were saying, I think there was, and, and I don't know if there's anything with that album that sets them apart in terms of like what they're talking about, but I almost felt like it didn't, you know, because Blink-182 was, like, I was aware of them. People in my high school were listening to Blink-182, and I, I knew that band's songs. But there was something that felt a little bit less jaded about MXPX. Mm. It felt a little bit, like, more hopeful, maybe? I, I don't know the right way to put yeah. it. But for all of the things that I in that I would take in at that time, it was almost like a little bit of light in the darkness, I guess. And I, I'm being really cliche yeah. with this. But no, like, that's, a great way to, that's a great way to put it, though. Like, I mean, I, was, I recently just did a another deep dive on the band's discography because they, yeah. they've been doing these like live shows and I, I'm not even sure what exactly like perked my interest to start listening to them. It was like a random Sunday. I was cleaning the condo and uh, I didn't have any more podcasts to listen to. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to like toss on some old albums and like started was slowly growing the way the muffin and the was like, I got to listen to this whole discography. And that exactly the way you described it there as like an optimism, like a little bit of hope. Like I never really picked up on that as a kid. Like that wasn't something that like I was drawn to or like I thought about. Um, yeah. But now in the re-listens, you can hear it. You can hear there. I mean, there's obviously like some angst and there's obviously some frustration, especially some of those earlier albums. But there is an undercurrent of like things are going to be okay. Life's going to get better. You're going to be able to like make it through. We can do this. Like we're all in it together. How we're going to like, there's that sort of common thread that you can pull through all the music that I, I do find mm-hmm especially now sitting here, you know, in my late thirties that I'm finding a new reason to, uh, re-fall in love with the band, which I find very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, so MXPX, they started, I think 1992 was when the first album came out. I mean, we're, we're looking at this point of like, what, 30 years of, of MXPX, which is bonkers. Um, but you know, we, for these podcasts, we kind of like talk a little bit about legacy and there's just so much, here there's so much to talk about in terms of um how this band like came along at the perfect time right as sort of the pop punk thing was becoming mainstream um and and they kind of rode that current but they brought a lot of a lot of other people with them and one of the things i think back i mean we can talk about you know coming out of the seattle scene we can talk about putting tooth and nail on the map you mentioned the christian bookstore thing like that it kind of like was a turning point in terms of what people thought about when they heard a, a term like christian rock or something like you know prior to mxpx you're probably talking about stuff like striper or i mean i don't know i'm the wrong person to to ask about this but i mean i there's definitely an element of they um even though they they've kind of like departed from that and and separated themselves from that for for lots of reasons um over the years they definitely were part of like there were all these different touch points they had on different communities Mm -hmm. that feels different than like any other band of that time period, which is something that makes them really interesting. Um, but as, as we were talking, like right before we started this, we're going to rank the albums, but like this band has been so prolific. We're talking about EPs, B-side albums, live albums, like the breadth of output that they've had over these 30 years has been monumental. Um, I, I mean, what do you think when you look back on like MXPX's impact um, and, and where they came from and, and what they meant in those like early years, uh, just in terms of pop punk. Yeah, they're a band that's interesting, right? Because they're not a band that you would ever say like 
absolutely broken to the mainstream. They were yep. not headlining giant arenas like Blink-182 or Green Day. Uh, they walked the line of, as the scene started to blow up, they started to get really popular. They saw radio play. They you know, did albums with Jerry Finn. They did big shows. And then never really had the same like kind of crossover hit that some of the other artists did. And then right around that time where potentially is it going to happen or is it not going to happen, a new crop of bands that grew up listening to bands like MXPX join the scene. And that's where you get Yellow Card, Fall Out Boy, Good Charlotte, stuff like that. Um, and so they kind of became like early on, kind of like the grandfathers of the punk rock yeah. scene, like a little too early, even when they were still relatively young and uh, relatively like band, uh, Virginia band, but yet they never broke out in that same way. But they've had the career and the longevity that so many of these other bands have maybe saw a glimmer of super popularity didn't have or don't have. And they've been around and in our lives for such a long time. And you talk about like their catalog, you talk about their career. Like I was looking the other day and I'm, they've got to be one of the top like three bands of the most music that I have in iTunes. I think I have something like 415 MXPX songs, including <laughs> like all the live renditions and the B-sides yeah. and stuff like that. And, you know, not many bands have a breadth of that collection. They, they break up, they go their separate ways and, you know, various things happen. And instead we just have decades of MXPX music, which is, which is awesome. Yeah. Well, you mentioned, we've already mentioned multiple bands that like MXPX <laughs> took on tour with them to be like their openers. And then they, the band immediately blew up after that. Talk about like the good Charlottes, the yellow cards, like even in the early days before like that pop punk explosion, MXPX was kind of setting the table for like all these <clears> things that were going to come after it. And that's what I think about the most. Um, even though again, they, that they weren't this huge crossover hit, they'd never had like a big mainstream single, um, the average person that kind of like tertiarily enjoyed pop punk on the radio probably doesn't know an mxpx song but the impact that they had in terms of their influence in terms of how they led that scene forward is immense i mean you almost can't yeah. really draw a direct comparison and that that's what um was uh, always fascinating to me to think about and it, it reminds me when you were asking about what drew me to them you know I, I was always kind of like put off by like whatever was cool at the time and so mm -hmm. i it like i my ex blink 182 for experience has been like a roller coaster but like during their those early days like intimate of the state they were so popular in my high school that i didn't really want to like them because <laughs> I, I was like always I, oh no i have yeah. to like the stuff that, <laughs> so that was another thing about mxpx of like oh well this is like good pop punk that everybody yeah, version. Yeah. which was no completely unfair yeah yeah but like you know there was definitely that feeling and i think that they they kind of had that that place as well so um yeah it's it's really fascinating and again i as we were starting this i was like and just as we're talking now we could do like 10 episodes on just diving into each of these individual things but for the, the we've been talking sake of, oh i was just saying like even as you you were mentioning like i think that mxpx is uh their their history and their mark on the scene is basically undeniable at this point of like even the little touch points along the way that they have with so many other bands from like, you know, in Panic, they're doing stuff with Mark Hoppus, they're doing stuff with the Ataris, they're doing work with uh, the guys in Less Than Jake, the various tours they've had, the various like places over, like where they've gone from like doing a tour with this band before they blow up to playing Warp Tour. Like they've just been mm -hmm. such a 
rock solid like staple of the music scene for so long that that alone ends up like giving them a place in like the pantheon of pop punk greatness that not many ever can touch and i find i I think that's really interesting because i also am unsure if in this day and age we ever see a band do it like that again like it's very rare let alone at this point in time we see you know rock bands doing anything but that we would see a band with that kind of career that would stay around as long as they have with relatively the same members almost the entire time and still be cranking out music still have a following that yep. is obviously diehard that just this year they're able to do live streams they're able to put out a final box set that sells out immediately they're making money they're like they have a career in the music world almost unlike any other especially unlike any other that did not see uh you know platinum two-time album success type of thing you know yeah yeah well and that's a great point is that like you know we talk about almost 30 years in now and it's not one of those things where it's like awkward of like oh there's those guys (laughs) they're still they're still trying it's like no i think everybody legitimately feels happy that they're still around Mm -hmm. and going i mean the the self-titled album they put out in 2018 was almost like a renaissance like people were really excited about that album and it was good um Mm -hmm. you know they were putting out songs all throughout last year the the vinyl box set selling out as quick as it did there it it really is a thing (sighs) where like i i just feel like they they can do this as long as they want to, and they're never going to suffer from it from like a fan perspective standpoint. It just doesn't feel that way. Um, and that makes them really, really unique. It's not, not a legacy act at this point. It's just like a fun thing that everybody seems to still be having a really good time with. So and they've tried so many different genres. They've tried various, like within the pop punk genre, but they've tried so many versions of that. They have a, a wide breadth of music from the very fast paced to the very, very poppy to slower acoustic ballads. They have so many different things that I think that the fan base at this point is also willing and capable to like go with them, whatever they decide to try and whatever they're going to do. And then kind of in the last like two years, especially with the uh, three years, the self-titled album up with all these singles, it's like, it's, it's very just MXPX sounding. It's like, this is, oh yeah, this is their sound. This is what they do. And they do it very well and continually, crank out these really well-crafted pop punk songs uh, yep. yeah well now feels like as good of a time as any to uh dive in and and rank these albums and so you know i, I always say this before we do it we only do uh just for anybody that's listening for the first time we we only do this for bands we like so <laughs> please don't be offended if the if your favorite album doesn't get ranked high here um we we always do these shows because we we like a lot of the band's music. So um, this is all all in good fun. Um, I, so this is funny, but like, you know, every day, just as I'm looking at the the site traffic for It's All Dead, I'm like literally every day there's people visiting this article I wrote back in 2014 where I ranked the, at the time nine uh, studio albums from MXPX. And so this morning I was like, I wonder like where that out or where that article ranks. It's literally the most visited page <laughs> on our site other than the homepage in the history of our website. And I... I, I was like blown away looking at that. I was like, man, we should talk about MXPX more. Like, I don't know why, but for whatever reason, uh, that article gets visited a lot. And if you are somebody, and most of those are probably just like one-off people that never look at anything else we do. But uh, if you are somebody that's aware of that article and listens to the show, the ranking is going to change. It's been uh, it's been seven years. I've changed as a person. Um, I, I've, I've grown in ways I never could have expected. And Today is the day that I'm going to completely reshuffle. And I'm, I'm excited because there's one album 
from back then that I ranked low that's making a big jump. And there's one oh. album from the top section that's going to take a really uh, far tumble near to the bottom. So this will be fun. Um, but going into this, so we've of all these we've done, this is by far the biggest discography of any band um, that we've that we've ranked. And I'm, I'm going to focus just on the, the, the studio albums. There's 10 of them, but there's a lot of EPs. There's a lot of other stuff. Jason, I know you're, you've included a few things in there. I'm excited to, um, to hear what you've got for us. Um, but there's so much fun. Just like you mentioned, they've explored a lot of different sounds. They've had time on indie labels. They've had time on major labels. This one was really fun for me to try to think and figure out. And when I rank these, I'm combining my, like my personal feelings of what I like um, of albums mm-hmm. that are my favorites while also it's like 50 50 that and 50 50 like this is like from a nuanced perspective this is good so those are kind of the two things that i think and i try to find a balance when i do it um but it's it's always tricky but always fun um so yeah let's go ahead and kick this off jason i'm gonna let you take over i'll let you kind of walk through this however uh you see fit but uh give us your your breakdown Okay, that works great. It's actually pretty easy to come up with my least favorite of XPX album. It's a lot harder when I get up to the top. My least favorite of XPX album is Plans Within Plans. It's the album that just never actually connected with me. It's one that came after, you know, Super Weapon, which I adored, and it just didn't it didn't hit with me the same way. And even now when I go back and I again I just did a disco dive a couple weeks ago, I don't particularly like many of the songs on there. It just doesn't have the same feel to me. There's a few that I'm like, oh, this is pretty good. And I'll listen to like some of the new live albums and stuff like that. And I'll hear a song and I'll be like, what song is that? Like, why don't I know that song? It's like, oh yeah, yeah it's on Plants Within Plants, the one album that you just never return to. So that's it. That's, that's my least favorite MXPX album. It does, it does have a few songs on it that I think translate well into like an acoustic setting. I believe Ace is up is on there and it's out yeah. that I like as an acoustic song. Don't particularly love it as an electric song. And that's just mm-hmm. the, the one that never really did it for me. Yep. Yeah. It's interesting. I, because I was looking back again at, th- at this article and there's like multiple comments saying like, oh man, because uh, on my original rankings, Plans Within Plans is uh, next to last. And there were like all these people defending it. And so I went back to explore it before we did this. And I was like, no, I still don't think that I like it. So, <laughs> I, I don't know. That, that one just never clicked with me either. But yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it's like there's a little bit of production thing where it's not quite as crisp, not quite as good, but I like some of their other like old EPs and obviously their older albums that sound like they were recorded in a bathroom at times. It's like, those still work for me. Just, it just never did. Just, I think there's just something with the songs themselves that almost feel a little too rushed, a little too, a little something. I don't know. So next I'm just going to, I'm going to skip over the EPs and stuff and just do the 10 albums. So next would be poking at you. Uh, I think that for me, the reason that one is so low is just because you have to put it somewhere and it's their first album it's very long it's very a raw early sound it's still great still really enjoy it it's still an album that when i listened to it just a couple days ago it's like yep i remember all these songs i remember listening to this but it also is a version of a young band trying to like try out their sound trying to discover themselves and figure out who they are what they're into what they want to be as a band and like it's just early songwriting and i think that that alone you know pushes it down just a little bit even though there's such a raw clear talent of like oh my god these like teenagers just being able to do this like i they're just cranking out with like 20 songs or something on there and you're like how like how how is teenagers were you capable of doing something like this and uh, (laughs) i just by the nature of where everything else comes after it is why it's uh second to last for me yeah makes sense 
Yep. After that is going to be Teenage Politics, um, another song, another album that, you know, second album that you can really see the band start to kind of put stuff together. There's songs on there that would become staples for the rest of their career. There's the melodic side of the band that really comes out. There's obviously a switch of guitar players and you can mm-hmm. start to see that become more of a signature part of the band sound. Um, what I think listening back to it now that I was amazed at is first of all, there's some very political songs on it that yeah. actually translate really well into 2020, <laughs> which I guess is not saying much about our progress as a right. country, but, but the politicalness of it, but also the just like earworm catchiness that you can see start to be put into it. It's not yeah. just about playing fast. It's about like playing around with melody, playing around with choruses, playing around with how to put all of those things together. And that really starts to come through in that album. Um, from there, I think I'm going to go into their most recent album, the self-titled album that'll be yep. next. Not in any way because I think it's a bad album. I actually really like it and really listen to it. The problem is that when you get to the upper half of the band's catalog, I have such a long history and connection to the music that it's just virtually impossible to break into that like top five. Like it's just not going to happen. <laughs> and yeah. uh, that's just what, what it is. So really good album. Really like still, still listen to it. I have songs on that album that continually get stuck in my head. I swear anytime anybody mm-hmm. says it's Friday, I hear that it's I Friday know. tonight. Freaking <laughs> chorus gets stuck in my head. I probably drive my wife nuts with every time I start singing it. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I you have to, the song, I can't get it out of my head. It just sits there like a freaking earworm. So uh, yeah, so that's what that is. Um, great album, great like comeback sort of album for the band as well. You know, like one of those things of just kind of like putting it out there of we're still here, we can still do this, we can still write songs like this, we can write songs for ourselves that uh, and our fans that resonate. And it's just a uh, it's it's a great MXPX album. Um, yeah. From there, I will go with Panic. Um, Panic is an album that when it first came out was first of all very. Uh, Polarizing. That's what I remember most. I remember a lot of people being like, the scene was kind of moving towards this fallout boy, panic at the disco, the fueled by ramen era of pop punk. And mm-hmm. MXPX released his album that is catchy, it has some songs on it, like that I think were people thought were quote the sellout move and trying to like be part of that scene. And but at the same time, it has so many really great fast guitar driven pop punk songs that I feel like I've underappreciated that album over time. And when I re-listened to everything over the past, you know, couple weeks, that is the album that I think stood out to me the most as, Oh, you listened to this way more than you thought you did. Cause I remembered all the songs immediately. And I had always kind of in the back of my head thought that was like a lower tier MXPX record for me. Like that, mm-hmm. that was one I was like, Oh yeah, that was like 2005, 2006, something around there. That was not really when I was still into the band, I was like moving away from them. And yeah. yet it's still connected with me in such a like way of being like, Nope, you listen to that album a ton and there's some really great songs here. So I think that's why that ends up finding yeah, itself I- there. I'm going to jump in real quick, just because as you're talking through this, what I'm realizing that I think was also going on subconsciously uh, subconsciously with me as I was thinking through this is that context is so important when talking about their discography because it spans so far and there's so many different, like, because you might look at one band with a smaller discography that's all existing within a specific period and you don't really have to think about what else was happening. But with MXPX, you really do. Just like you talked about 2005, 
what you think about when you think about 2005 is very different than what Panic is as an album. And so because they've existed throughout all these different movements within their own scene, uh, it's really, really interesting to think about it in, in that way. So sorry to jump in. No, was just no, of course, no, it, definitely. Uh, from there, I right, go into Secret Weapon, um, which is an album that like was kind of the rejuvenating MX Pigs in My Life album. Like they had released all the stuff that I'd like and enjoyed, but I never like really considered them at that point in time a band that I was like actively anticipating, I guess, like the, their next thing. Cause it was like, it came off panic. It, I was like, ah, okay. It was like, that's fine. And then they kind of like went away for a little while and then re-signed with tooth and nail and released sequel weapon working with Aaron Sprinkle, who I think is one of the most underrated producers in the music genre. And I immediately was like, Holy crap. Like these guys are amazing. Like still, like still yeah. to this day, like I can't believe they can do this. And so it was like a rejuvenated feeling of, this reminds me a little bit of life in general. This reminds me of like why I like loved the band in the first place. Look at what they're they're capable of doing. Um, so that is how that album has then found its way into what's that, my top my top five at this point. Um, yeah. After that, I would go before everything and after um, an album that again was such a different album than other things that they had released at the time. People, a lot of people called it another sellout album because it was mm-hmm. a little bit poppier. It had big giant production. It, sounded crisp and clean um but that's an album that i i feel like has multiple songs that have become clear fan favorites clear staples in their their discography and another one that when i'm in a specific kind of mood for an mxpx album like i'll turn to that one you know if i want like the fast pop punk sort of thing i will go to different albums but if i'm looking for you know just a big anthematic pop sounding album it holds up shockingly well uh in a way that i don't think i would have i would have thought when i was listening to it in college like that because that i mean that's that's a college album for me that is a yep. walking between classes and with at the time like what an ipod <laughs> and, yeah. and you know like that being one of those albums that uh that became synonymous with that period of time of my life yep um, then after that, I'm going to go with Ever Passing Moment. The Ever Passing Moment era is the one that I was my first, like, getting to experience an MXPX album rollout because I had mm-hmm. fallen in love with them with Slow Moving Away to Buffalo and then moved backwards to their discography. And so this was the first time I got to, like, be part of the hype of, like, the album's coming and, like, knowing, like, seeing the website change and, like, the album announcement gets made, the first single gets released. Uh, I remember the album leaking on Napster or LimeWire or whatever it was mm-hmm. and downloading it and then burning it onto a CD and listening to it in the car on the way to school, driving my friends, and then just keeping it in my disc man over and over and over again. Yeah. And so that is like, whatever, that would have been soft, not soft, but junior, senior year, something around there for me. And it was just a complete stable of those two to three years of my life. Like, again, it was not a time where music was as accessible as it is now it wasn't a the streaming era that is a you buy the cd or at the time like downloading just was becoming a thing and it was becoming a thing where i was probably still on like a 56k mode of downloading one song (laughs) an hour at the time so it was impossible like it wasn't a oh i can just download whatever i want it was like well you can download whatever you want yeah but it's going to take you 
five hours to do it. So it, it's still yeah. my music, my music collection was still relatively small. And that, that album in a way probably signifies like the end of that era in a lot of ways, because that was probably one of the last albums that that was true for. And after yeah. that, it becomes, I mean, I remember Newfound Glory's self-titled album was another one I remember quote leaking online before it was out in stores. Right. And right around that time is when I just remember like the like Pandora's box opening basically and being like, yep. oh, there is music everywhere. And that was kind of where everything exploded. So like in a lot of ways I do feel like ever passing moment for me is the like the end of the C D buying, spending. Yes. This is the only four bands that you know time yeah. time for me. Um then from there it's gonna be the top two. And first uh is gonna be Life in General, which I consider one of my favorite albums especially pop punk albums probably ever uh it's a, an album that i think he encapsulates teenage early like teenage hood in a way that very few albums can it, yeah. it speaks to that era that mindset that feeling that every kid you know growing up in small suburban town or whatever has felt at one point or another mm-hmm. and it just it is a slice of life type of album and it's so perfectly named the album cover and everything is so perfect mm-hmm. about like what it what it is and what it says and uh i will forever forever have very very uh fond memories of of that album and yeah. you, you listen to it now and it's you know it's very catchy it's very there's some great fast punk pop, pop punk songs on it it also has like a tongue-in-cheek earnestness to the lyrics where like yeah they're a little cheesy they're a little so over the top emo i mean it opens right. with Ocean is my middle name uh-huh. which is hilarious but at the same time it's like yeah but that is what you feel at that time like when uh-huh. you're that age like of course emotion is my middle name <laughs> like yeah. that is exact exactly what you're going through uh so that's number two and then number one still going to remain slowly going the way of the buffalo because i find it just as almost as perfect of a pop punk album as as can be from those opening chords to how fast it is to the things that it tries to address on a lyrical level to some of the fun that it has to just extreme catchiness and all over the way that the album moves between fast pop punk songs to very catchy songs to something like for always that at the time i never heard like a band even do it's a little bit slower and like but coming together with like big melodies all the way up to the end, the theme fiasco and just a big giant instrumental guitar, uh, riff extravaganza. It, it runs the gamut of so many different things. Fizzler's tact. I just, I, I, I think of each part of the album and each song and I'm just like, it's perfect. Like there's so many things there that I have tied directly to growing up and listening to this album on repeat so many times yeah. that when I put it on, on a random Sunday, I immediately knew every lyric. And like, he's talking so fast when the, uh, the walking key starts, but I was like, oh yeah, I remember all of these lines. I remember yeah. everything. And it's like, I can't do that for albums that come out now. Like I, that's yeah. something that's lost, that's lost to the young, but it's like, nope, they came back immediately. And it was like, yep, I know every single word of this entire yeah. album. And so that's number one for me. Excellent. Well done. Um, so how much do you think Solo Going the Way of the Buffalo is impacted for you because it was that entry point into a, a new world, so to speak? I mean, obviously, that's a very core album for your experience. Um, how, how much of that is tied to like how I mean, th- that's got to be and yeah, I'm not saying that it doesn't rank yeah. well on my list either, but. 
Yeah, I think quite a bit. Like obviously, like that the emotional connection I that I have with the album plays a big role in it. I also do think that from a technical and like quote objective viewing of the album, it also holds up quite well for the, the reasons like that I said before. Like, I think it's just it's a very technically well structured album for what it's trying to do. But obviously, the emotional connection is hard to beat. Like that, I mean the it's the reason why the cliche of the albums that you listen to growing up is like are the albums that you continually come back to and yeah. that that plays that plays a big role here um but yeah. i think that even removed from that the album stands stands on its own yeah well i i love it thank you for doing the list uh, we're not going to have, you know, sometimes these are almost more fun when we've got like major disagreements. Or something. <laughs> I, I don't think there's going to be anything quite like that. Um, we will see a difference at the top. Um, but, you know, starting from me at number 10, I've got Poconaccia. You know, and the more I think about it, the more I probably could have put Plans Within Plans there. I mean, it's not, it, it's it's either or to me, but I, I just feel like, you know, this wasn't one of those situations where like the band's first album was this thing that set the tone for mm-hmm. everything that came after it. And they were constantly chasing um, what they were doing with that first album. To your point, I mean, you kind of said it all, you listen to it and you're like, holy crap, these teenagers like did this. This is, this is crazy. Um, it, it's a, it, it, within its context, it is a really um, impressive work, but in terms of albums that I go back to regularly, it's, it's not going to, not going to be near the top. Um, I've got plans within plans at number nine. I still, when I went back to it, still felt like it was kind of uninspired. Um, I, I know that's probably not fair, but I, I remember how excited I was for it and how much I kind of was like, eh, when it, whenever, I, <laughs> whenever it came out, I just, and I yeah. felt bad even at the time of like, why do I feel like this about MXPX, but not a new album, but that's, that's just what it was at the, at the time. And it still never really caught on for me. Um, and then eight teenage politics, so those those three for me are kind of like the the bottom tier, mm-hmm. and and what I want to say now because my number seven is going to be uh, something that I think it, it was the biggest uh, album that fell from my old rankings into these new ones. Um, but I want to say going into this albums one through seven on my list, like if you put them on right now, like I would listen and enjoy every moment. <laughs> of it. So like it feels bad to put something in seventh place but it's actually uh, still a really great album and for me number seven was secret weapon um mm. and i tried to think about why because I, I believe it was number four in my previous rankings and it, it's down to number seven now um and it's still really good like and and to your point there's the whole tie-in of like the going back home to tooth and nail and there's like really warm feelings that i have around that album but i think as the course of time has gone on that's an album that i pick and choose key songs from like i almost have a secret weapon playlist of Mm -hmm. it's like a shorter album than what it is there's a there's a little bit of filler on there for me so that that's kind of 16 songs something like that it is especially for whenever it came out like uh 2007 or something like that yeah something like that like that's a lot of music to digest it at one time i think i think you're right about that like there are songs on there like top of the charts punk rock celebrity that to me aren't like top tier mxpx there are other things on it that now when I hear, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that song. Like, Bass so low, Chop yeah. Shop, like the title track. Those are the ones that I think, probably when I think about it, it, it elevates it because of those. And right. I don't detract it because of the songs that I know that aren't quite up to the same uh, yep. caliber. Absolutely. Um, and, and also the worst My Carrera haircut 
album cycle on, on Secret <laughs> Weapon. I'm just going to say it. I'm sorry, Mike, if you're listening, but um, that was the. I, I've got a probably more extensive knowledge of Mike's haircuts than I should, but the the Secret Weapon uh, cycle was was rough. Um, the ACEP uh, album cover haircuts a pretty pretty bad look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry, Mike. Um, but you know when we you're in Mike. the public eye for 30 years, you're you're going to have a few few rough haircuts. So. Um, number six, I've got MXPX, the self-titled, and it, it's hard to say whether it's in that spot, uh, and I'm saying as high as it is just because of a, you know, recency bias. Um, but, it, and I also thought like, what if MXPX, what if that self-titled had come out in 2011 or 2012 when Plans Within Plans did, how would I have thought about it differently? But, you know, it's just so fun and I have such mm-hmm. good memories tied to that album. Um, we did a podcast, um, you know, right after that came out and, and, um, Richard Clark, who was on that, uh, particular show, you know, we were just talking about like how, how much that album reminded us of everything we loved about that time period of our lives when MXPX was kind of like in their heyday. And I think I'm always going to have like really strong feelings, uh, because of that. And same as you, uh, Friday tonight, like that, (laughs) that gets sung aloud in my house as well. So, uh, it's, it's got some great songs on it. Number five is panic. Um, it's funny because I almost feel like what I was experienced with that album was like different than what you were, because that was the album that followed before everything and after. And at least for me in college, like I had a lot of friends that listened to to punk music and there were, and like cool, like I, mm-hmm. I, I wasn't cool. Like I was trying to, I was basing what I thought was cool on what they thought was cool. And they hated before and everything and after they thought, which we should have talked about how many times did MXPX sell out in the course of their career? <laughs> <I> <laughs> many times and now when you listen to those albums what cracks me up you listen to like their selling albums and they're playing faster i know like more quote punk songs than anything that like the actual like you consider sellout to this day or like when stuff got really really poppy and you're like this is what they call the sellout album this yeah, one yeah. like come on everyone like let's chill out <laughs> It's so hilarious, but I, I have this very vivid memory of somebody, and he was the drummer in a punk band of this, uh, where I was going to college, and I, I remember kind of like, I because I liked Panic when it came out, and I kind of like brought it up in conversation just to see how he'd react. And he's like, "Yeah, they're they're they got it back now. They're they're good again." And I was like, "Okay, shoo, I can enjoy this without feeling bad about it." Uh, but no, Panic is still a really good album. It's 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 top heavy. Like the first half of that album is much better than the back half. Um, but yeah. there there's some bangers on there. Um, so. It's smack dab in the middle for me. Number four is slowly going the way of the Buffalo. I struggle with this one, Jason, because I, I, I hear you put it at number one. And like, I totally feel that. Like, I, I, I can't argue against that. This is like such a good album. There's so many classic songs uh, when you think about this band of like um, songs that the first songs that come to your mind and thinking about MXPX, like a lot of them are on this album. And it's just, it is really good. Um, it's just that over the course of time, and I think a lot of this played out just in terms of how often I put on the full album to spin is how this these top four go. And that's maybe it's the one that's the least played, um, even though I do play it semi-regularly. Um, but yeah, I, I don't have a good justification. It, again, it feels bad to put it at four, but th- it's such a good album. Number three is the biggest riser on this list. And I, I've got a confession. Um, and this goes back to what I was sharing uh, about Panic. This is an album that I loved in secret. Like I literally <laughs> loved it in secret yeah. 
for years of my life because I was so embarrassed that everybody else hated it. And I've seen online, people are coming back around on this album. And Jason, I think today's the day because you ranked it pretty high on your list. I think today's the day where we say, you know what, everybody, let's all just come together because before everything and after is really fucking good. And I, I, I love this album. I, I played it just like you in college. I played it so much. I remember like laying on my bed in my dorm room and playing it. I remember walking to class and playing it. Like I, I just love it. And you know, if this was their their biggest sellout moment, like okay, great, I loved it. <laughs> Please give yeah, me more. It, it, it deserves it deserves its time in the sun. It deserves everyone to like reevaluate it and say, you know what? Yes, it is different. Yes, it is a big pop album in so many ways, but it's so much fun in its own right. Stuff like it's all right where they play around with like, oh yeah what they're doing there, like crazy catchy. You got broken hearted in there. That's another mm-hmm. song that's just out of its mind from. Uh, I mean, the, the first what, five or six songs on that album are just yeah. massive, massive hits. Um, sure, it has some cheesy stuff in it. It's got Everything Sucks. It's got Little Hands About, Eating Popcorn. <laughs> it's got Quit Your Life, which, you know, has the nice little, like, violin, ballad uh, yeah. stuff in there. And I get it. I get the complaints about it's cheesy. But at the same time, if you pull yourself away from that and go, okay, but can you accept that it is a little bit cheesy? But it also is a extremely fun album to listen to. Mm-hmm. I think that it's it's it sh- shows itself in a completely different light, and I completely agree that it has been underrated by the fan base and by people for a very long time. And that there are really great songs in there. Maybe again, there's stuff that is a little bit too long. Maybe that's something that's just been part of their career. Yeah. Like I mean, I think that what 16 songs on that, was two or three of them end up being like intros and uh, an outro. But you know, Kings of Hollywood, the capital. Not, not super great songs, but right. in any other band, like they'd be great B-sides, they'd be great things. And they, they said the album make it not quite maybe work as well as it, as it should, but all in all, still a fantastic album that I completely back as it deserves more recognition and love from the fan base. Yeah. Today, today is the day where you're uh, raising <laughs> the before and everything and after flag. Uh, number two, I've got Ever Passing Moment. I mentioned that was the one that got me into the band. I wrote the Gosh, the twenty-year retrospective of it last year, I guess. It's <laughs> stupid. Uh, uh, so old. But like, you know, it's still an album that, that holds up, and I'm still transported back to that time. I, it's still got the cool Dave Grohl one, two, three, four. Like, it's just like those songs flow together so effortlessly. Um, you know, two whole years is a song that I, I still feel a lot of attachment to. It's still like there's so many songs from that album that are just like a part of my my life and I, I love it. Um, but number one had to be life in general. Um, and this is where it's that combination of like ever passing moment is probably my favorite, but life in general, I think is the best. And ultimately that's going to, that's going to win out here. And again, you said it so well, it's, it's such a perfect encapsulation of its moment in time from everything from the sound and the lyrics to the album artwork. Um, going back to that podcast from a few years ago with, uh, with, with Rich Clark, he was talking about kind of like you did where he, bought that album in a Christian bookstore and like his mom was like giving him this look because of the album cover, but she kind of had to <laughs> buy it because they were in a Christian bookstore. And like, well, it has to be okay then. But like, you know, th- there's that album is like kind of a touchstone for that era um, of pop punk. And, um, you know, and yeah, emotion is my middle name. It's so corny. It's so cheesy. <laughs> but to your point, like that is a real thing of that, that time in life. And it's such a perfect opener um doing time is my favorite mxpx song and it's on that album and you know it's my favorite just, mxpx song of all time yeah 
So, you know, there it is. That's that's where I had to rank it. But, you know, as we're doing all these and, and we mentioned there's so many like, you know, let it happen. Just a B-sides album, which I think was done as a throwaway to get them out of their deal with Tooth and Nail. Like that's like we could have ranked that well on a list like this. The Renaissance EP like there's they've put out so much. At the show, so I played it at the show as much as any album. Yeah. Discography when it came out. I remember that coming out and being like, this is like the greatest hits of all my favorite stuff on one album. So I played at the show all the time. Like, yeah, they have so many different little things in there. Yeah. Well, I think even even when you posted uh, that, it was like on one of those write-ups that you did last year. I, I commented about it. It's like, um, you know, Chick Magnet. That's a song on life in general. That's like a seminal MXPX song. I would rather listen to the version from at the show. Like some of the songs like that they did on that live album were almost better than the recorded versions. Like, so yeah, the, there's just so much, um, so much that, that, uh, you know, we, for the sake of time that we can't get into here, but like, man, what a hell of a run that this band has had. So, um, I want to transition now. We're going to do a couple sort of quick rapid fire things. Um, normally we do like a full list of like top 10 songs. There's no way that we would be able to fit that into this <laughs> podcast, but like throw out a couple. I do it. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Throw out a few of yours that are just kind of like, um, I don't know, really important to you or songs that you feel yeah. like. Yeah. I mean, as I said, doing time is my favorite, like ever. I think for just a variety of reasons, the number one is that it's a perfect, like just fast, pop punk song like it's as good of a pop punk song as you can write uh comes to like a minute and a half something like that it's get in get out it's one of the songs that as a kid like it goes to the life in general discussion in, as, as a whole is it, it it gives you the hope of like things are going to be okay this is what your life is but like you can get through it like you're going to be able to make it out to the other side and it's mike's like perspective as he's writing of the like I did what I need to, now I'm going to get through it. And sitting in high school, like, is there any other, like, message that you need to hear on a day-to-day basis and something like that? Like, that is, like, that, hearing that is, like, got me through, like, my teenage years. Like, that is literally the way that I was able to, like, make it through every day is, like, putting something like that on and be like, okay, I I can do it. I can do my time. I can get out. I'll be okay. I'm just like, I'm not going to be, you know, the fuck up that people think I'm going to be. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not the loser. Like, it, it could be okay. And, like, hearing something like that, it was empowering in a way to, like, that I wasn't getting anywhere else. So that's got to be number one for me. Other songs that come to mind are Under Lock and Key, I think, just because right off the bat, the energy and amount of passion that's put into something like that is all I, i've always been drawn to it's just like an immediate like that album starts and i'm like okay let's go like it, yeah. it is time like you know if you open up an editing i saw them on that tour multiple times and like opening up a show with that song was always just like oh it's going to be a great night like this is going to be incredible yeah. um other one that comes to mind is unsaid which is off of ever passing kind of ever passing moment um Yep. I think it's like a late B, like uh, backside cut on that album, mm-hmm. but just has a nice little melody to it. Shows that they can do things a little bit different. And then the uh, the other one that I'm thinking about is probably well adjusted because that's another one that yeah. There was a couple times in my life that I thought the band had that like, what's my age again hit? And I like the first time I heard my life story and the first time I heard well adjusted, I was like, this could be it. Like this could be the time when they really break into the mainstream. Didn't quite have it for them, but I still feel like those songs are just absolute bangers. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to come back to well adjusted here in a minute uh, with another uh, thing I'm going to share here in a, a few minutes. But um, 
it's a great song. There, there's so many songs to choose here. You know, I, I already mentioned Doing Time. It's my favorite song of theirs. All the same reasons that you laid out. Then I put down a few that are, I, I don't know if I would rank them. I mean, maybe they'd end up on a favorite songs list if I was making one. But I wanted to put songs of theirs that I love that I feel like never get talked about or I've never even had a conversation with somebody about. Um, the Story, this track five mm-hmm. from Panic. Mm-hmm. Um, that song is like always felt like really really good to me it's that that album's kind of has a darkness to it and they're they're searching for something um there's that line in the second chorus can i get a new heart the one i got works way too hard you know that when i was in college that line just like really really hit me for some reason um but yeah it's classic mxps great harmonies it's got an awesome bridge really fast-paced chorus like they're just they're going at after it and um it's just a it's a really good song that i don't really hear get brought up a lot um i've got rock and roll girl from let it happen it's just like old school mxpx nostalgic pop punk like that song is like kind of ridiculous but like man i just i love it like it just it it takes me back it it transports me um and then i put biting the bullet is bad for business which um was a, a really deep cut on on secret weapon and the note i put on it is just lol lol (laughs) perfect pop punk chorus because it is it's like it's like mike herrera can write this stuff in his sleep i feel like like he when he is like in his element he can just write one of those choruses that is going to be in your head for a week and that's like a perfect like that song wasn't a single but like uh, other bands like wish they could write a song that catchy i I guess that's my point in going there is that um amxps like has a ton of songs like that in their catalog so um, yeah, uh, probably a podcast for another time to dive in on, on individual songs. But um, I got a I got a section on here that I'm interested um, to see your your thoughts on where I put biggest what if. Um, and I, I struggled with this. I came up with something I think is kind of interesting. But did you um, did you have anything that came to mind when you think back on the history of yeah, for me, I guess the, the biggest what if is like what would have happened if they would have had the breakout breakout song? Like, would that have been better for them? Would it have been worse for them? Mm-hmm. Uh, if something like My Life Story took off, right? Like that would have been an MTV hit. I played on MTV too. We got some some love. But if that would have been like their version of like All the Small Things or something like that, mm-hmm. what what would have that looked like for the band? I think that that's interesting to me. Um, but in its own way, like I, I kind of love the career that they've had. I love that it's still the same three guys. I watched their last live stream, the the one on YouTube, what was it, like last weekend or whatever. And it's still, I mean, they're older, but they're still playing the same songs. They look like they're having fun. They look like they enjoy where they are now in their careers. And I'm not sure if that would have been the same if they would have had a different one. And so, like to me, it's almost like man, I, I, the the way that they got from point A to point B. I'm kind of okay with it. Um, in, even though I like, I love when bands that I love get super popular. I they had a very very successful career in a different way, and mm-hmm. I kind of love that as well. Yeah, I mean that, and that's the biggest thing I'm doing a what if for them is that it changes so much of what we love about what this band's career has been. But mine's mine's pretty similar. I took a little bit different angle on it though, because you know you mentioned well adjusted. They they. MXPX had a Super Bowl ad in which they were playing remember, that song yeah. in a Diet Pepsi commercial. It had like the, uh, the the lead, you know, the the song in the soundtrack for Scooby Doo. Um, they were on the Passion of the Christ soundtrack, which is really really oh, funny. Yeah. Like they they've had like that. so many moments within the zeitgeist that didn't pop. So here's here's my what if. So 
MXPX leaves Tooth and Nail, and they signed to A and M Records. Well, A and M was acquired uh, by Polygram in '98, and then later merged into Universal. And so, when you look at the late '90s and early 2000s, there's like this mad dash of mergers and acquisitions in the record label industry. And what made that so weird is that it almost became luck of the draw in terms of where you ended up, because there are a lot of, I mean, we've talked about a lot of stories of different bands that you know signed to a certain label that got acquired, and then the staff changes, and then there's no support i mean we can talk about all kinds of bands that have had that experience but i think mxpx had a really interesting one because even though a&m was still operating in terms of like the label being on the the back of the cd it wasn't like an active thing that universal was like putting like resource and money and staff towards um so it's almost like you're you're becoming second third fourth fiddle within this ecosystem they'd created and and by the way after that merger into universal universal like divvied up um, to almost create labels that were genre specific. So, you know, you're kind of getting pigeonholed in that way. But I guess where I'm going with this is like, let's say in 1998, MXPX signs with MCA and Blink-182 signs with A&M. I don't know that anything would have been different. I'm just saying that the way all of that constant reshuffling was happening during that time definitely changed the amount of dollars that MXPX had at their disposal in terms of just general advertising and, and being pushed. And this is a band that, again, I've mentioned specific opportunities they've had and places that they were out there. But I do think that's something to think about of like, is there a different scenario in which uh, MXPX has a home that elevates their platform? So who knows? Um, but yeah, again, it's it's hard to like want that just because, you know, the, the band's career has been so fun to, to enjoy anyway. So that is that um i it was funny i was putting down this note of like you know because taylor swift just re-recorded and uh re-released fearless like man what if mxpx like re-recorded their early stuff i remember they actually re-recorded life in general a few years back do you remember that yeah i haven't i downloaded it when they released it It was like a fan only thing for like a little while like they put it up like really quickly and then like for one day it's interesting to listen to like because it's like obviously mike's vocals sound different and yeah. you have so so much nostalgia and whatever attached to the way that one thing sounds that to listen to something that you know every mistake and every little intricacy about again it it just feels off to me like it's not bad it just feels off like it just yeah. it's a feeling of okay those are those songs but it's not that album it's not those songs uh-huh. it's not yeah. what i have spent so much time with and i listened to it again a couple of days ago and it's the same feeling like i get the same thing of like i i don't find it bad i don't find it offensive by any means but if i'm going to listen to life in general i almost every single time 9.9 percent yeah. out of 10 i'm gonna go listen to the original version of it yeah absolutely I, it was just funny because that was on my mind because of the taylor swift thing and i was like wait they yeah. actually did this that's really weird um, so I'm, this next one is based on the presumption that you've seen MXPX live. I'm, I'm assuming that you have. Do you have a favorite concert memory of theirs? Yeah, but the, I mean, they were my first like actual like big boy concert. They were my first oh, nice. concert that I, that I ever actually got to go go to. I uh, couldn't drive yet, so my parents drove me to the concert. There you go. Um, and so what I remember most about this is that in so many ways that like MXPX and obviously Blink and stuff that I talked about were life changing is. It was life-changing for me. It literally changed the direction that my life was going at the time into something else because I knew nothing about this kind of like music scene. I knew nothing about punk rock. I knew nothing about the dress of how people dressed, how the aesthetic, the mentality, I knew nothing about it. So I remember showing up in well, like cargo shorts and like a button-down t-shirt or a button-down like plaid shirt yeah. or something like that because I was like, 
kind of preppy-ish at the time. It must have been like one freshman year, something around around that. And like there's all these people with like, you know, wallet chains and spiked hair and eyeliner and like there's just so much different that I would see in my high school on a day-to-day basis, which was all that I knew because, yep. you know, I, I can't go anywhere. I don't have a car. I can't. I'm not, the internet's just becoming a thing. I'm not exposed to any of that. So I was exposed immediately to a world that I knew nothing about and immediately was drawn into and connected with. And it connected with the feeling on the outside, the rebellion, the, you know, the, the anarchy streak. I like, I was immediately like, yes, I'm signing right up for this. This is right in my wheelhouse. Yeah. <laughs> give me those black, give me those black t-shirts and, um, so that was the first part and just being like uh, into it. And then the second part was how welcoming it was immediately. You know, I did not feel judged. I did not feel like anybody there was like, Oh, who's this weird, like dorky little 14 year old, like showing up at the show. It was an immediate, like the music starts playing and everyone's in the pit together. First yeah. mosh pit I've ever been in everything. Like the entire room is just swelling and moving and people are shoved up against the walls, but everyone's also like picking each other up. Everyone's screaming the lyrics along. Everyone's like having a good time, laughing, clapping each other on the back, up on the yeah. front, front doing the very first like stage dive and people would be I'm just like, what is this? You know, it just it blew my mind to be a part of it. And I remember leaving and being like, I'm doing that every Friday for like the next 10 years. I, I want to go yeah. to every every show I could possibly go to. Uh, the show was I believe a band called Switch, uh, not Switchfoot. It was, I forgot the name of the opening band now. It's been so long. Uh, but the second band was the Ataris. I know that because nice. it was the first time I had ever heard them. And I was like, well, I'm going to buy this album. What is this thing? There's <laughs> Blue Skies, Broken Hearts. I'm uh-huh. going to buy that. So that's how I got into the Ataris. And then MXPX. And um, yeah, left with lots of merch. It was the only way to buy band merch at the right. time because it's like Hot Topic didn't, I wasn't selling MXPX stuff and I yeah. felt like I could get to the mall by myself anyway. Yeah. So lots of merch. And yeah, that's that's my favorite. I've seen that many times over the years, but that is definitely my favorite because it has such a soft spot in my heart of just changing a direction of where I felt like I was, who I was as a person, um, let alone what like I identified with. And it would be because of going to a show like that, that all of that shifted and molded within the span of, I don't know, the two and a half hours that the show ended yeah. up being. That's incredible. About you? I love it. Well, so this is going to be the most, this is the most random and weird concert experience I feel like I've ever had. I could share a number of different club shows that I saw with MXPX, but I have to share this because it's so bizarre. And I'm hoping maybe somebody out there has was also at this and they can like verify uh, my memory of it. So I went to college in Oklahoma and in 2005, MXPX went on tour with Reliant K and Rufio. It was called the Panic with a K tour. And incidentally, there was this Christian festival that they held and it was near Tulsa, Oklahoma. It was out in the middle of a fucking field. It was like the middle of nowhere, but they built like almost like a small little village for like, it, it wasn't just music. But it was like a, some sort of Christian festival. And, but they mm-hmm. built a big amphitheater out in this field to have like music. And so we get there and there was this immediate realization that one, there were all these people there to see the show that were not there to be a part of that event. <laughs> so there was immediately this dichotomy of like, whoa, there's like very two clearly different groups of people here. They were trying to get the young folks, I guess. And, and, mm-hmm. and the other weird thing is that everybody had this realization that the way they sold the tickets was 
screwed up because you had to buy this additional add-on to gain access into the seats of the amphitheater. So what everybody bought was access to like the field, the lawn, to stand outside the amphitheater and watch. So during Rufio's set, nobody, there's like, so one, my girlfriend and I at the time, we snuck by security into the amphitheater section, but it was like at 5% capacity. And it was Mm -hmm. awkward because there's like all these thousands of people out like in the field (laughs) watching from afar. And so Rufio plays, which was hilarious because they were swearing and clearly making fun of the fact they were at this (laughs) Christian festival. And then there's like this long period of time where there's nothing. And then this guy, this like 60 year old white haired white man in a suit walks out on stage to the microphone. He's like, so uh, just want to share. We've been talking uh, with the other bands and MXPX and we're like, Hey, I've agreed to pay the difference. Um, They're going to give up the money that they got for this to do the festival to pay for everybody to come down into the amphitheater. And so (laughs) all these thousands of people got to come down, fill up the amphitheater, which immediately was just like, this awesome experience because now it was like oh there's actually a concert now um but yeah. but i know I'm, I'm almost certain they must have given up everything that they they got to do this just to be like we're not going to go out and play the show with like everybody standing <laughs> you know hundreds of yards away from us but that night so Roland K played a great set and then mxps just played into the night it was one of those shows awesome. where we left and we were like i can't think of a single song i would have wanted them to play that they didn't play tonight like they just played everything um and it was it it went from being this really weird awkward thing to being like one of the most fun experiences i've had uh, watching a band with a huge discography just play all their songs and have a blast so um, there you go uh yeah so if you uh if if you were also at this weird christian festival (laughs) in 2005 in oklahoma in the middle of a field please reach out to me on twitter because i would love to hear if i am remembering all of this correctly um all right well we've talked a lot about influence and legacy of the span let's wrap up with this um does MXPX have another great album in them? And so the idea here is like, if, if tomorrow we find out MXPX has dropped another album, um, you know, do we feel like it's going to be at least to the level of the self-titled? I mean, looking at what they've done during quarantine and looking at what they've done with like the singles that they've released. Yeah, of course. Like I feel like there's, there's a place for exactly what they're doing and there's a, need and a want by obviously the fans including myself to continue to do something like that and i feel like as long as they're continuing to explore like I, again we talk about friday night which in all, in all of the way we describe it is like it's a little bit cheesy it's a little bit funny it's got hell of a catchy chorus um but they can continue to write great songs and as long as they continue to write great songs that people are connecting with there's always the chance that they're going to not only write a great album for the fans, but they're going to write an album that all of a sudden more people are going to get into. And like, I would not be surprised if that continues to happen. I would not be surprised if they continue to not only be able to play on the fact that so many of us grew up with them as a band, but that new people can get into and that new people can discover. And all it takes is one song with a catchy chorus that ends up on TikTok. And what do we know? Maybe I'm experiencing to get that what if moment in 2020, yeah. 2024. And they can all of a sudden be on everybody's mind. Like, <laughs> it can still happen. But yes, I think they can. I still think they can. I think that Mike, Hera, and uh, Tom and Yuri together have obviously have chemistry obviously have a songwriting uh expertise that probably to this day is now underrated what mike's capable of doing i think is rare and to crank out the amount of songs that they have at the quality they have he has a very rare gift and talent and anybody that has that kind of gift and talent at any given time could put together something that is going to shock all of us and be a quote great album again 
Yep, hundred percent. Couldn't agree more. If, if twenty eighteen and the self titled showed us anything, it's that this band is like having as much fun. I feel like as they've ever had, mm-hmm. and that is always yeah. going to result in something positive and something great. So I will welcome anything uh, more that the band brings our way, and I'm certain that they will. And I will be excited to hear it when it comes. So uh, this has been a blast. If you are still listening with us an hour in, <laughs> thank you. We, you must love MXPX as much as we do, Jason. Thank you for taking the time to come on. I, I know. You know, again, Chorus FM just had its five-year anniversary. I know you've got a really great newsletter. Uh, where would you like people to go to, to learn more and get involved with it? Yeah, definitely there? just to check out the website, Chorus.fm. You can check out the newsletter, Chorus.fm slash newsletter. It's actually what I'm going to go write next. So I'm going to go write about more music. And of course, I'm going to write about MXPX now because they're on the mind. Yeah. Excellent. Well, Jason, thanks again. Uh, if you like Long Live the Music, uh, come well, come to itsalldead.com, but also make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast uh, platform of choice. Leave us a review if you feel so inclined. Um, but yeah, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to Long Live the Music. If you like our show, come find us on Twitter and Facebook, at It's All Dead. And of course, come visit our website, itsalldead.com.